It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Wednesday, November 18th, 2020. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. Sitka reported three more coronavirus cases on Tuesday afternoon. The first patient is a man in his 60s. He was not experiencing symptoms when he received COVID testing on Monday. The second patient is a woman in her 50s. She was not experiencing symptoms when she was tested on Monday. Both patients are tied to travel, according to the city's COVID-19 dashboard. The third patient is a woman in her 30s. She was experiencing symptoms when she was tested on Monday. Her case is tied to community spread. As of Tuesday evening, Sitco was reporting 144 cumulative cases since the start of the pandemic, 26 of which are active, according to city data. Just a week after Sitka's assembly passed a resolution, quote, strongly encouraging COVID-19 precautions like mask wearing and travel testing procedures, Petersburg's borough assembly is taking a stricter approach. It approved public health mandates on face coverings and testing Monday night. The face covering order requires mask wearing inside any building open to the public or in a work setting with others. It also allows a number of exemptions from the requirement. Many members of the public spoke strongly against the mandate. Here's Tasha Spurl. The council tried a mask mandate in Petersburg already. The negative impact that had on the community was too great. That will still be true tomorrow. I will not be told how to parent from someone who doesn't know my children or love them as immensely as I do. The borough and the assembly should not have that power. Face coverings have been recommended by local medical center staff and the Petersburg Borough's Emergency Operations Center. Assemblymember Jeff Mucci brought the mandate up for vote on Monday night. You know, I keep hearing from people who want to keep businesses open. They want to continue to see, you know, this town kind of get back to where we were before this. And the only way that's going to happen is for us to just do a simple, selfless act for the whole community and wear a mask when you're in a public building or you can't social distance. The Petersburg Assembly agreed to remove language requiring face coverings in outdoor settings when social distancing isn't possible, but they added back language to require masks for large outdoor public gatherings. They also agreed to exempt children up to three years old instead of two years. And they added language to make an allowance for a wider array of medical conditions exempt from mask wearing. It passed with those changes on a 4-3 to three vote. The borough can fine people for violating the order. However, Petersburg's police chief explained officers would aim to educate violators instead of fining them. Petersburg had a mask mandate in the spring that relied on voluntary compliance. The commercial halibut season in the Gulf of Alaska came to an end last weekend, with Alaskan fishermen coming up short of their quota by about a million pounds. The good news, however, is that the International Pacific Halibut Commission's surveys this past summer indicate that stocks may be on the rise. Alaska Fish Radio's Lainey Welch reports on the IPHC interim meeting and on other seafood industry gatherings happening online this week. The Pacific halibut fishery ended on November 15th, and early estimates peg Alaska's take at about 16 million pounds, just shy of its 17.1 million pound catch limit. This week, halibut stakeholders will get an overview of the summer survey results, which indicated some hopeful upticks in the stock and a glimpse at potential catches for next year. On November 18th and 19th, the International Pacific Halibut Commission holds its interim meeting online, and all documents, including the survey results, are already posted. 
You don't have to be a fisherman to find interest in webinars this week by United Fishermen of Alaska and Pacific Marine Expo. UFA's virtual lineup through Friday includes a seafood marketing update and the latest on ocean acidification. Also, bycatch management in North Pacific groundfish fisheries will undoubtedly focus on the huge surge in bycatch of sablefish in the Bering Sea along with halibut and crab. UFA also is featuring an Alaska hatchery update, an update on transboundary mining issues, the latest from the Coast Guard, and a fish and game update. You also can get to know the Alaska Board of Fisheries members, a pebble mine update, and a recap of Bristol Bay. Friday wraps up with a Get to Know Your Coastal Legislators webinar. Find more information at ufafish.org. And wait, there's more. Pacific Marine Expo also has a virtual lineup this week hosted by National Fishermen. It includes offshore wind power and fishing, vessel design and gear technology, plus funding diesel repowering for fishing businesses. See the full lineup at PacificMarineExpo.com. Laney Welch's Alaska Fish Radio is sponsored by the Sitka-based Alaska Marine Safety Education Association and by Ocean Beauty Seafoods. As Americans have closely watched the presidential race draw to its end over the last few months, in Sitka, an educator was quietly celebrating her own executive victory. Earlier this year, Mount Edgecombe High School's Chola Mall won one of the most prestigious awards a science teacher in the United States can receive. KCAW's Catherine Rose reports. The name that I go by is actually a Cherokee name. Uh, my name is Chola Mall. Chola Mall is a science teacher at Monegum High School in Sitka. Her teaching style is innovative and energy-filled. Her students have done everything from watershed restoration research to cognitive studies of their classmates' cell phone use to examining the impact of microplastics on species in Sitka Sound. Now she's being nationally recognized for her work. Earlier this year, she was awarded the Presidential Award for Excellence in Mathematics and Science Teaching. A fellow science teacher in Anchorage nominated her, and the application process was rigorous. You have to make a video of yourself teaching. It has to be non-edited. It has to be, uh, then you have to do the full lesson plan, and you have to have a ton of questions that you have to answer. Maul decided to record herself leading students in a herring dissection, incorporating both medical scalpels and traditional knowledge. Because I started it off singing a slinget herring song, uh, to the kids that we had learned the day before. You're going to cut, 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 and that gill raker is right in there, and you're going to cut a piece of it out. Is it this? Is it yeah. Throughout so, the lesson, yeah, students examine different parts of the fish under a microscope. Yeah, isn't that cool? Where's your guys' microscopes? So your job, or the dissector's job, is to get a microscope. The relevance of herring goes beyond the dissection tray. Herring is a traditional food for indigenous peoples of southeast Alaska, and it's traded to many of the communities Mount Edgecombe students hail from. Its future as a subsistence resource hangs in the balance between state fisheries management, market demands, and climate change. Now, what did Alaska Department of Fish and Game tell us the age class of these herring this year? So they said that the population of herring that we have are about three years old. Does that mean that some of the fish can be older? And some of the fish can be younger. Mall says she applied for the award, hoping to bring her students' stories to educators around the country. 
I felt like the story that my kids have to tell in the world is an important story. And I feel like the cultural com component and the cultural connection that we have to place is important. And I wanted to share that story to a larger audience. The process pushed her to reflect on why she does what she does and how she can do it better. And how often do we get an opportunity to really think about that in our, in our profession? So by the time I submitted it, I was like, yeah, I've already won, I'm done. <laughs> in July, she found out that she did in fact win. The award is one of the highest distinctions a science teacher in the United States can receive. The ceremony was a bit different. Rather than flying out to DC, she joined the other 106 winners of the math and science prizes in a virtual award ceremony via Zoom. Her classroom is a little different too these days. The herring lesson, filmed in 2019, feels a world away. No one's wearing a mask, students are crowded around microscopes, and Maul is flitting around the room from one table to the next. Today, pulling off a lab with high school students is much harder. There are new safety concerns that an eyewashing station won't remedy. COVID-19. Yeah, so I have a box. <laughs> I have a box in the front of my room that's taped off so I have six feet distance from students and I have a shield. During medium risk, then I am supposed to stay in my box and I am not supposed to leave my box. Like teachers everywhere, Maul is figuring out ways to move forward, even with the challenges the coronavirus has created for her classroom. She's reworking lesson plans, finding technical workarounds, and figuring out how to give instructions differently with social distance in mind. And I can't touch their microscopes. So it's a practice of practicing patience. But it's better because I'm not doing it for them. They have to do it themselves. Mole finds the light in every opportunity, getting her classroom to a place where students are operating their microscopes with confidence while she stays behind her plastic shield takes more work and planning on her part than it used to. But she says that's all worth it when she thinks about what Mount Edgecombe students are giving up this year in order to peer through those microscopes. I have students who come here from all over the state and I uh, value their commitment into traveling so far away from home. And I feel like my job is to make that sacrifice worth it. And I will also say that my kids are here right now in a pandemic for a reason. You don't travel thousands of miles away from a home to wear a mask in a room unless you want an education. And that's why I'm here. Mall hopes to travel to D.C. sometime next year to receive formal recognition and to meet the new president. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Catherine Rose. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News. Thank you.